Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Three, two, one. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing, nothing but pure sports. And welcome, everybody, to FanStream Sports, powered by DSP Media. This is the Fighting Irish Daily Blitz, and I'm your host, Rob Fedoff. Also known as RPT, you can find me on Twitter, at PFedoff. So we're episode 88 today. Ironically, we're going to be talking about October the 15th, 1988. To me, the greatest game I ever witnessed as a Notre Dame fan. I was not at the game, but I watched it on TV. It was when Notre Dame upset Miami 31-30. to The game was uh, titled the Catholics versus Convicts game. There's a great ESPN 30 for 30 documentary on that from 2016. I always said, too, uh, check out YouTube whether it's the whole game or just the so-called good parts of the game. To me, every part of that game was a good part. Uh, it was just such an electrifying atmosphere, how loud that crowd was, how electric the crowd uh, environment was, uh, despite also 20,000 less uh, seats at Notre Dame Stadium. They didn't do the renovation until I believe, was it 97 or 98, uh, where they added 20,000 uh, more seats in the stadium. So this had 20,000 less. If you still watch it on YouTube now, you can just still see and hear how much of an electric environment is uh, what that was. So Notre Dame came in 5-0, fourth in the AP poll, fifth in the coaches poll. Miami was the defending uh, national champion from 1987. They were 4-0 and ranked number way both ways in the AP poll and the coaches poll. So they were the unanimous uh, number one. We ended up winning 31-30, classic game. To me, the greatest Notre Dame game. I've been, uh, I've seen uh, in the last 35 years, and even if I didn't see game, obviously I wasn't born in the 60s. I wasn't born until September the 27th, uh, 1975. So I just turned 13 years old, and prior to this game, Notre Dame was not relevant at all. I mean, seven and five was the best season I saw uh, based on my memory during that time, and uh, I, I got, I can even say this is probably one of the greatest college football games ever. After this win, Notre Dame was so-called relevant again. I can say, yes, we have not won a national title. Really haven't come close. Yes, we made the playoffs, played in that national title game in uh, the 2012 season, going into the 2013 new year, but got annihilated by Alabama. However, though, if you look at our so-called relevancy in the AP rankings, we've been a lot closer than what the so-called experts say and a lot closer than what we were prior to 1988. But Notre Dame won the national title in 1977. So obviously they finished number one in the AP poll. 78, they finished ninth. 79, they were not ranked. 80, they finished ninth. So top 10. Here's the thing. 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 86. Six years in a row, they did not finish ranked in the AP poll at the end of the season. So they were outside the top 25. It took until 1987 Lou Holtz's second year as coach at Notre Dame to finish number 17 in the AP poll and finish the season eight and four. So we started to see some success, but even I was, uh, I had just turned 12 in the fall of 87. So Notre Dame was finally starting to win some bigger games. They started the year eight and one. We lost a heartbreaker at Penn State by one point. Uh, and then we got killed by uh, this team, the Miami Hurricanes that year and then kind of pretty much got killed in the cotton bowl by texas a m so even though we were having some success we were still 
so close but still so far away from competing with the so-called big boys and the miami hurricanes were the one of the big boys uh during this time so here we go so notre dame during how i want to stress too about this in this podcast by winning this game in 1988 the so-called catholics versus convicts game we snapped the 36 game winning streak regular season winning streak that is for miami they had not lost a game since uh 1985 regular season wise they won 36 straight games notre dame broke that streak and this all pretty much started in 1985 which was lou holtz's uh jerry faust's last year as notre dame coach he was not a successful coach at all it hits rock bottom in 1985 and this was the stepping stone leading up to this 1988 game the catholics versus convicts winning 31 to 30. So 1985, we lose 58 to seven to Miami, Jerry Faust's last game. And here's the thing where during that documentary on ESPN, I remember so some of the so-called members of the Notre Dame personnel. One was uh, coach uh, Digger Phelps, who was the coach of the basketball team. They took it personal when they thought Miami and they ran up the score 58 to seven during that game. But to me, I don't know. Jimmy Johnson said during that game, what I think it was a year prior to that, or maybe two years prior, they were playing Maryland. They're up by 30 points and end up losing that game because he said he, he took the foot off the gas. There's a fine line between running up the score and still, you know, uh, sticking the, your foot on the gas pedal is what I'm trying to say. And here's the thing too. Miami blocked a punt during that game and scored a touchdown. They only had 10 guys on the field and Notre Dame had, you know, the right personnel, 11 guys. Cause I thought Notre Dame was kind of being kind of a crybaby in that situation and saying, Oh, they were running up the store too much. We'll make a play and not have them block a punt with only 10 players. So I digress. And then another point where I kind of sided with Miami was with Jimmy Johnson. I ended up respecting him a lot more than I did prior to that documentary. He was a graduate. Uh, his alma mater was Arkansas and when the Arkansas job came up, it was either the late 70s or early 80s. He he thought he would get the job. He was gradually uh, uh, going up in the ranks of college football, becoming a, a decent head football coach. And it looked like he'd be a lock to get that job. He didn't get it. Ironically, Coach Holtz ended up coaching Arkansas. And he was a alumnus of Arkansas, but they went with an outsider. I could see why he was uh, sad, pissed off, you name it. As I uh, said earlier, Miami was a thorn in our side and pretty much the top dog uh, during this time. So in 1983, they beat us 20 to nothing. 1984, uh, they won 31 to 13. That was at Notre Dame Stadium. Ironically, that was the first Notre Dame game I ever attended in person. I just turned nine years old and we lost 31 to 13 and it wasn't even that close of a game. 1985, that was the shellacking 58 to seven. And then 1987, when Notre Dame was finally starting to win some games, this is where I say we were still so far away. We lost 24 to nothing. So we lost by an average of 28 points per game for the 83, 84, 85, and 87 uh, seasons that we lost uh, uh, Miami. So we were losing by four touchdowns a game on average. Here's the thing. During this, what Coach Holtz, once he... Uh, joined in 86 Notre Dame went five and six we didn't play Miami that year but you think five and six that's 
losing season, kind of a crappy year. However, I was only 11 years old at the time, but even as a young kid, I could tell this team was slowly starting to make the move because they were in every single game during that season. They actually almost beat Penn State that year, who won the national title when they beat Miami in the Fiesta Bowl, as I mentioned earlier. And then 87, we get to eight and four. In 1988, it just had all the, the big storylines, the Catholics versus convicts, you know, T-shirts. Whether that was right or not, it it just added more to the game, making it more of a legendary status type of game. There, there were some controversial calls. Don't, And it, that went both ways, too. I know when you think 31 to 30, you think, man, that was really close. I mean, did really Notre Dame deserve that? Even Jimmy Johnson has said... The more I look back on that season, Notre Dame was by far the better team. And we were the better team than Miami. It might not have shown during this game by only winning by one point. But we pretty much dominated uh, both lines of scrimmage during that game. And Steve Walsh had said, too, he didn't realize how great our front seven were because they gave him fits all day. We, I believe we had seven turnovers that they We forced seven turnovers that game against Miami. And here was the big thing prior to that game starting. There was a, a fight in the tunnel where Notre Dame and Miami were going at it big time. And if you watch the documentary, even before the documentary, I think this was known. Coach Holtz brings them back into the locker room and says, you know, if anyone does anything to disrespect this school today, uh, like what just happened right now, um, you'll be thrown off the team and you'll never play another down at Notre Dame. And he said, however, if after the game, if we want to fight them, Sure, we'll go out in the street. And he was kind of trying to pump up the uh, the team right there. And then he said, but leave Jimmy Johnson's ass for me. They just started leaving the, or running out of the locker room, and they were ready to go. And even prior to that game, though, they, they finally had that swagger to say, hey, we're not going to be pushed around anymore. You know, I, wanna, I don't want to call Miami bullies, but if you want to, in the metaphoric way of a, of a football team, like that bullies you around, that out uh, – outmanned you out uh, that's more of a physical team is what i'm trying to say they said no more we're not going to be pushed around anymore and even during that documentary i think it was leon searcy that said even the first play that we saw notre dame make we knew this was a different notre dame team that we have that we had seen in the prior uh three or four years they were not going to be pushed around anymore they said enough we're not going to we're going to fight back. That's what Notre Dame had to do to finally compete with the big boys. And Miami was the big boy at this time. So long story short, um, there were some controversial calls. You know, the big thing was Lou Holtz saying, leave Jimmy Johnson's ass for me. The team runs out to the runs out of the locker room after that. And back then there was uh, no overtimes at all. So Miami ended up scoring a touchdown to make it 31 to 30. There was about a minute and a half to go. And Jimmy Johnson had to go for a two-point conversion. And Pat Terrell batted down the pass. And then they tried an onside kick after that. And then Notre Dame just ran out the clock. And it was just a great, great uh, – I can't say it enough. That day, I can – remember it was a kind of an Indian summer type day where it was headed into late fall, but it was a warm 65, 70 degrees, you know, leaves starting to fall. Just a perfect – fall atmosphere Notre Dame was this was really becoming relevant in a period where they had been they had been pretty much dormant for the last six years uh 77 was their last title and I know we haven't won a title in 35 years however if you look at the AP ranking we're we're 
we're in there. Don't get me wrong, but we're still, we're still a little bit um, kind of so close, but far away, whether it's a quarterback or just a player here or there. AP wise, we've been a lot closer than what people think because from 80 to 86 and then 87, we started to make a little bit move. Notre Dame wasn't really anything at all is what I'm trying to say. And that's why this makes this game so much bigger than what I think people realize. This game put Notre Dame on the map. We end up winning the national title. We end up beating Virginia in the Fiesta Bowl, 34 to 21. We finished number one. Miami finishes number two. And from 88 to 93, we're always in the uh, discussion. We're actually in the hunt to win a national title. 1989, Miami returns the favor. They beat us the last game of the year, uh, 27 to 10. And then they finished number one. We finished number two. But here's the thing. And other people have said this too. Coach Holtz, even though he always said he wanted a, a confident team, a cocky team, but not like in your face, but like a swagger, but be respectful to your opponent. That week, he was so cautious during the Miami game. He didn't want another uh, pregame fight or anything like that. That edge that Notre Dame had for the last pretty much two years, uh, they lost for one weekend. And I... One of my pop culture references, which I like to have in Rocky three, that eye of the tiger, Rocky lost the eye of the tiger. That edge is what Apollo Creed would tell him when he started to train him. Um, Color Lang beat him in the first fight, but then Apollo trained him to get that eye of the tiger, that edge back. And that's what we lost during that 89 game. And then we finally got it back for the orange bowl and beat a number one Colorado team. But the thing was by beating the number one Colorado team, that was the opera and Miami won the, I believe, yeah, they won the sugar bowl that year over Auburn and they just snuck in to get the number one ranking at the time. Cause obviously that was before the playoffs as great of a coach Lou Holtz was, I think he was the main culprit of them just losing that edge and they probably would have been back to back uh, national champions. So my final point here, as I said, this game was such a huge part of Notre Dame football history it got them relevant again, got them their last national title. Unfortunately, that has been their last national title in the past 35 years. When they play Ohio State, when is that? The 23rd, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, the 23rd. I'm going to bring this up when me and Greg Schaefer do our podcast as well. But real quick, I know OSU lost CJ Stroud, great player. They're going to have Kyle McCord. I don't know how good he's going to be, but I think he's got some talent. They have a team that's very similar, at least on paper right now. And it could be better than the 2020 Alabama team, which is a team. I don't want to say they were unbeatable, but it took a mon a monumental effort to beat that team. And that they finished undefeated. That was a team with uh, Devonte Smith, the Heisman trophy winner, Najee Harris uh, running back and Mac Jones as the quarterback. Mac Jones is not a great, we're finding out he's not a, a great quarterback, especially in the NFL. He's a game manager. He just, you know, makes the plays, uh, just manages the game, doesn't make the mistakes to lose a game, but he has so much talent around him with Devontae Smith, the Najee Harris. Ohio State, Kyle McCord, I think as long as he's just a game manager, he has, their receivers are better than what Alabama had, at least on paper right now uh, in 2020. They got great running backs, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams. If they have, and they have a defense, if they just do just enough to bend but don't break during a game, like what Alabama's did in 2020, they are the favorite to win a national title. I know Georgia's still defending national champions, you know, back to back.
but I got to think eventually that luck's going to run out. To me, they got, they got lucky in two of their uh, title runs. One playing an Alabama team that lost all three of their talented receivers in the championship game and in, getting some of the calls against Ohio State. Ohio State should have beat them. But uh, here's the thing. Ohio State, that their quarterback just has to pretty much be a game manager, in my opinion. And he's got so much talent around him. And a defense, just do enough that they have to. Ben, but don't break. I see them being like an Alabama team of 2020. Having said that, Ohio State, of all the teams Notre Dame has beaten in my lifetime, I know they haven't beaten the Alabama of the last you know 15 years, but they've beaten Alabama in the 80s. The one in my lifetime they haven't beat, that's a, one of the top dogs, is OSU. 96 at Notre Dame, 29 to 16, and it wasn't even that close. 2006 Fiesta Bowl, 34 to 20. 2016 Fiesta Bowl, 44 to 28. And then last year, I will say it was a close game. We were in it up until late into the third quarter, or we lost 21 to 10. If we were to beat Ohio State, I know they're not the defending champions, but on paper right now, they have the potential to be a very good team. To me, on the equivalent of a 2020 Alabama team that won the national title, it starts with this game right here. This game against Ohio State, to me, we need to treat like the Catholics versus convicts game from 1988. We had to treat it as a different game because if we win this game, I think this just snowballs into possibly an undefeated season or an 11-1 season. Because I tell you what, I would rather finish 11-1 and let's say lose to USC or Clemson, but still beat Ohio State because for one, we've beaten USC. We beaten Clemson. Granted, one was not with Trevor Lawrence, but last year we beat the shit out of Clemson. I know they're not the Clemson of old, but still, we had not beaten them in a while, and we finally beat them. Ohio State, we never beat Ohio State, and they've always been great Ohio State teams that we've played. To me, this is still going to be a great Ohio State team, and this would be finally Notre Dame wins that big game. And I can't say enough, even if we finish 11-1, and but one of those wins is against Ohio State, that's a huge step up for this program similar to what it was in 1988 where that just snowballed into an undefeated season a national title and then notre dame for the next five years was always in the hunt for a national title always in the top probably three in national recruiting rankings this ohio state game i cannot say it enough i'll say this more in other podcasts but i just wanted to kind of correlate this anniversary the 35th anniversary of the catholics versus convicts game for this upcoming ohio state game because it's very somewhat similar uh, in all the aspects of what I mentioned before, especially the way Miami was dominating us in every single game. OSU has pretty much dominated us in the games they played us since 1995. I hope they have some anniversary type specials. Maybe NBC will make use of that. I always say NBC has one of the worst coverage of Notre Dame football. Maybe they do something special for the 35th anniversary. To me, it's the greatest game in my lifetime for Notre Dame. I think it's the greatest game in college football history, but I'm biased there. I will admit that. But if you ask the average uh, college football fan, I think they come back to this and say, at least it's in the top five, if not top three of games ever played in college football. So thank you so much for joining me for episode 88. And as always, go Irish.